Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. We've been talking video games for weeks, and today we are sitting down with There Will Be Fireworks, a band that I have enjoyed for many years. I'm joined by my brother, Justin Peterson. Uh, Gerald will not be joining us today, but this interview was a lot of fun. These guys are really cool. They're working on new music, and you should definitely check them out. You can listen to their previous albums, Because Because, The Dark Dark Bright, and their self-titled album, There Will Be Fireworks. Without further rambling on my part, here is the interview. I hope you enjoy. I'm Nicky McManus, so so I, I sing and play guitar and a little bit of keyboard sometimes. Uh, yeah, my name is Gbran, uh, and I uh, play guitar mostly and do a little bit of backing vocals and other bits um, in the band. Hey, I'm Adam, and I play the drums. All right, all right. So, like I said, you guys are there. Will be fireworks. So, me, I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan. I've been like I I actually. So I, this was like maybe like 10 years ago, I kind of like stumbled upon you guys because I like to switch my iTunes settings over because I'll, I'll be honest, like American music is really, it's good, but it's it's not great, you know, like it's not, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's all very poppy sounding now and electric. And so like, I like to switch my iTunes settings over every once in a while to, uh, you know, the UK. And then I stumbled upon you guys and uh, I was a fan ever since. I think the first album I listened to was like the Dark, Dark Bright. And then I went, backwards and listen to the rest of the catalog uh justin what are your what, what's your history what's my history yeah what do you mean by that like with the let's listen to the band man i, I don't want to know oh, your, your, your civil war history i want to know no, no, they don't they don't want to know that that's they don't want to know that <laughs> yeah they don't want to know that they don't um no i was telling them uh just while you were trying to fix your you know sound there that i was i was you know pulled them up on on itunes or youtube again Right, just to sit there and listen this morning while I was eating breakfast, um, looking at the pasture in my, my backyard there. And I was like, it, it felt like I was just, you know, in the front room of our house in, in Cypress, California, sitting on the couch where I first heard them, you know, the first time. And it brought back that, um, I don't know, just the connection. It always made me feel like, you know, like the, the irony with the pasture in my backyard it always made me feel like I was sitting in some kind of, you know, countryside listening to that. And, um, I don't know. It's it's a it's the good style that I think out here in the U.S. we're kind of we're kind of missing, um, as far as most of the bands. You know, people talk about indie bands, and I think that there's two different classifications. You know, there's indie bands out here that that they don't make you feel or, or connect to that music quite quite as much as as y'all do back there. I know um, you were one of the first uh, you know overseas band U.K. bands that I I first sorry Scottish bands that I listened to as far as uh, indie. Um, that really got me into that scene. And, you know, I told you I was a Frightened Rabbits fan, but, you know, I, st- I started with you guys and worked my way through that. And, and it, it was something that really, really connected me to the music. And I could feel, you know, the story and the setting and, and even the, as so much as the culture that, you know, y'all are in um, through that music. And that's that's something to me that makes that makes music really what it is. At least that makes me want to listen to more and more and grounds me in that. It's the rain. That's what it is, man. It's the rain we have here. <laughs> the rain. <laughs> now, Justin watches a lot of BBC too, so. I know. Yeah, <laughs> Unless it's top gear, I don't watch nothing. <laughs> yeah, so we, I mean, we, we stumbled upon you guys, you know, at the same, 
around the same time, let's start listening to like Frightened Rabbit, Father Son, Death of Anna, uh, Hundred Reasons. So I, I don't know. I've, I've I, I'm a fan of that style of music is, you know, like Justin said, you can connect more to what's going on in the music out here. It's just let's let's throw another synthesizer in there and, uh, you know, repeat a verse over and over again. So it's just it's not it's not the same, you know, if that makes sense. But yeah, t- tell me a little bit about like the history of the band. Like, how'd you guys how'd you guys start? Because I know you guys started like way back in um, it was like two, 2007, 2013, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, pr- I think. We probably started in two two thousand and seven. Does that sound right, guys? So basically, so we, so, yeah. we we'd kind of so the, the the other two guys in the band that aren't here today. Um, so the three of us we went to school together with one of the other guys. So we've known each other forever. Uh, and we started. We you know we played in bands together at school that never did you know we never really did anything and there'd be like you know people other other people coming in and out of different bands that, you know, didn't even play gigs or anything. Um, and then when we were at university, we, the, the four of us who, who who all went to school together, we got together and started the band. That, I think, would have been 2007. And then we added Stuart uh, sort of just after our first album came out. So it was just like, it was, you know, very classic kind of, scottish uk thing of it was a conversation in the pub and we decided let's 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 start a band um and then we started playing some some gigs and it was also because madden had got madden had got kicked out of his first that's right so he was in the pub with us and we thought we'd make the most of that situation (laughs) he got yeah madden got thrown out of university for throwing a bread roll at a lecturer Um, (laughs) Yeah. Among, amongst other things. What what led, <laughs> what led to this though? Like, what was the lecture talking about? Uh, medicine. <laughs> it was med- he was studying medicine at the time. Uh, what was yeah, it? Oh so, yeah. Yeah. So he went to St oh. Andrews University, which is where it's it's kind of it's where Prince William went. You know, I, I don't know if you it's, it tends oh, yeah. to we be do. relatively interesting for people outside the UK. So he went there. Madden went there for our basis. He went there for a year. And the rest of us were in Glasgow, and then he came back a year later. Have we been thrown out <laughs> for, <laughs> for throwing a roll? Yes, very, a good very Scottish story. Yeah, I mean, not many people can brag about doing something like that. It's <laughs> yeah. impressive. You know, here, I don't think he'd be bragging about it if he was on this <laughs> podcast. Well, yeah, it, I don't know if you know anything about like the American public school system, but if you throw like a, a a roll of bread at a teacher out here, they can't do anything. They just have to like keep teaching. So, <laughs> so he is a teacher now, ironically. So, oh uh, wow! Yeah, that yeah yeah, unexpected. That's why. That's so, why I go to school online. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why. Yeah, when COVID yeah. was going around, that's all, all the teachers were safe behind their computer screens. Don't have to worry about things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, we 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 started. Uh, we decided to record. I think we we did three songs at first, um, and and Madden, the guy we're talking about, he he found the studio. So he he did some research and found a studio in a place called Straven, which is kind of in the I guess in the countryside, kind of near, not too far from Glasgow. Um, and we recorded three songs there, and then we start. You know, it was MySpace back in those days. That was. That was how you connected with an audience. MySpace was amazing, actually. Like we probably made a lot of friends through it as well. Like you know, bands in the local scene. 
yeah, so that's how kind of how we started, and then we just we just kept going. But it's always been very slow for us, as you can probably tell, uh, yeah. because we've always, you know, we've, you know, it's never been a full time thing. Um, so that's been the story of of us. <laughs> right. I mean, you guys also have you know all these other side projects going on. Like I remember sitting there, like googling, like what have you guys been up to? Because you know, I wanted to hear some more music, and then I found that you guys had done like New Year Memorial and uh, Dead Modern, Tiny Skulls, all this stuff. So, I mean, you guys obviously you just you guys keep keep busy, keep making music, just not uh, not all in the same place. Yeah, that's right. I guess we're all kind of geographically spread about. So there's a couple of us in Glasgow. You guys, Adam and Jibs are in 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 London, um, and Adam was in Amsterdam for a while. So. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, don't know, Jibs. You want to talk about tiny skulls because that's probably the most up to date stuff. <laughs> project that was sort of born out of because Dobby who's also in fireworks is in Tiny Skulls and um, yeah there was a there was a point in time where he just had these more piano led songs that didn't really feel like they fitted the, the fireworks sort of um, mold and and I'd been um, just jamming with a friend of mine uh, David Thompson um, around that time and so we just sort of started passing stuff between each other and yeah I guess it's it's kind of a similar evolution in the way that fireworks was with we're all made to be um, and we spent a lot of time with each other and um, at that time we're playing a lot of music just you know for fun in practice rooms and you know coming over to have a beer and then jamming for a little bit um, and yeah and, and so yeah Tiny Skulls just sort of yeah came around um, from that sort of yeah like jamming a little bit with David Thompson and then yeah and it's and it's it became like a bigger project and was really and it, and it always has been like a, a studio project basically but um yeah you see there's it actually there's a there's an Austin adjacent story to all that though isn't there Jibs because so the, the the studio I was talking about where we first recorded fire there with firework stuff so we did our first album and, and the dark dark bright there and the guy who 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 owned that studio um, was one of our friends, a guy called Marshall Craigmile. He so he's a Scottish guy, um, and he he was at South by Southwest in Austin, and he met his future wife there. Him him and his brother met two American, you know, best friends from from yeah. California, from from outside San Francisco, uh, and they moved. The both of the, both of them have now moved. To, so they met them in Austin. They they, they now live in San Francisco, and. I guess Jibs, you were record you recorded some stuff out there as part of Penny Skulls as well. Yeah, we did indeed. And uh, Rachel, who's Marshall's wife, also does some vocals on the album. Um, and yeah, and Mar and Marshall, you know, produced um, the Tiny Skulls album, and in that way, really was like, you know, a proper member of the band. Like he would we would come with sketches of stuff and be like, oh, I think this is sort of something. And then he would really flesh out with lots of other stuff and ideas and then come back and be like, oh, by the way, I got Rachel to record some vocals as well. <laughs> and he'd be like, 
oh my god sounds great <laughs> it's, made it, it's, made, it's made it it's made it into more of a thing than we ever thought it would be so um well, that's good though i mean it means there's yeah. some passion behind it yeah all right well i got i got two follow-up questions for you here like one so you said you went to california what did you think of california compared to where you're <laughs> from you could be honest too so well for me california is the only place i've been to in america and i really liked it i thought it was great um the weather was better yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah I, yeah I, I, like i think that yeah everyone seemed really friendly and what was interesting was um Rachel who's from San Francisco that sort of said like oh yeah like I think there's a friendliness and, and that's that's part of why she, you know she's from San Francisco she felt like that was part of that community there and what's like yeah. something about California um but uh I really felt it when we were out there and and yeah and it like I guess a similar thing so I live in London and I guess it's got a little bit of that thing of big cities where there's just loads of interesting scenes that are going on and doing their own thing. And you can, if you are interested, you can dip into them. Um, we were only there for a short time, so we didn't really get to see that. But like, even the place that we recorded with Marshall was um, a place called Light Rail Studios. Okay. And it was clear, clearly like, um, so it was run by a few different people. Um, but there was clearly like a community of, engineers and musicians and people who came there and um yeah you definitely felt like even within that you're like this is like a little scene in of itself yeah people that are around this yeah it's got all yeah. these like it's got all these little like pockets of different types of people there's not just like there's no conformity in san francisco at all everyone is so different it's kind of like out here we have austin in texas and like the phrasing is always like keep keep austin weird and like you go there and you see just all kinds of if you're someone who like is a people watcher like this is heaven for people like that yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's definitely a lot of interesting characters in san francisco yeah you're listening to the pop culture cosmos for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts So with uh with tiny skulls like what's do you see that becoming like I know you guys are were like release some stuff but you see that like an LP coming out or you just gonna stick it to like the EP format? No, no. So we we released a single, but uh, we have an album which is done, which basically is ready to release. Uh, We've just got like a couple final last little tweaks. and yeah so it's it's really it's really for it's really in our hands like it's basically there we just need to put it they've been saying this for 10 years seriously (laughs) this this, they started recording this album before the dark dark break came out and they've it's it's always been it's just coming and it i mean i've heard it it's amazing it is amazing and and I've, i've been saying for at least five years guys just get it out man <laughs> get it out because it's it's so it's seriously so good it's such a it's a beautiful record um and it'll be good to i think the guys need to um lift the spiritual burden and just get it out there yeah oh sorry go for it yeah Stuart. Oh, we did. yeah basically <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, we've been, I think the thing was, because we did it all sort of in our spare time, and I mean, I guess fireworks is a similar thing, but um, 
I think it became it built up out of sort of small things and it became like a real I don't know thing of love for us like so when we were going through and just thinking about stuff we were like is it right like is it worth spent is it worth trying this idea you know at the 11th hour we, we would be like okay this track's done and then it'd be like maybe we could try this actually maybe that would lift this bit and make it even better um so I think it was just a lot of that and yeah I think over time it built into being like okay it like we we are now settled with how this is this is you know how it's going to be and we hadn't really shared it with anyone and I think the process of like playing it to different people over time has made us be like okay yeah it's definitely ready I think it was definitely an us problem of wanting to keep tweaking forever which you can do um like with all creative endeavors though it's you can keep going yeah (laughs) exactly yeah. I, so when the when you push this the 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 first song out, what was it? Did you feel like a weight come off your shoulders? Did you feel good about that with the the response to it? Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess part of that has been like when we released music before, so not even the Tiny Skulls, but even the Fireworks. It was kind of a different time of how people consumed music. We were sort of before the big like streaming wave hit, um, and we. Uh, we were really focused on physical stuff on CDs, um, and that was before vinyl had its resurgence as well. So, like putting a new song that is like risky because we don't really know what's going to come back from it. And as a band, we were like, we're not going to make a CD of it, are we? Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So for us, it was kind of a cho- like we've made the choice to kind of stick with digital for now, and that's the album will be a digital album. Yeah. Um, for for the meantime. Yeah, it's just it's just it's, it is risky because it's just you don't know what the the environment's like anymore. And yeah, so putting it out there and having people listening to it and responding to it and sending comments and stuff is yeah, it's been really nice. Yeah, I mean the the stuff that I've seen like on your guys' Facebook page seems pretty positive, so that's got to feel good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, it's it's really nice. It's always nice to like have worked on something, and especially something that we've had in the back burner for a long time. Yeah. Um, to put it out there and get a positive responses yeah that was great i want to talk about fireworks for a minute the uh so you guys first of all like i love the way that you guys always have those uh i guess you call them like poems in the beginning of your albums like that's, that's really cool so are those original poems written by you guys or is it like a, there's a source material you guys are taking those from red-eyed and desperately sad a girl in colombia whispered to Kesan, my sister is dead my sister whose life was mine. What can I do? Kesan took her trembling hands and warmed them between his own. Water and ice, he said, his eyes shining. Ice and water. Kesan sat up with her all night. He pointed out that at the festival tomorrow, the Medellin night shall be a huge canvas, for there will be fireworks, and they will light up your eyes, and you will feel more alive than ever before just as your sister would wish for you. And as she finally, gently settled down to sleep in the pre-dawn quiet, he wrote her No, we are not that talented. So the, 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 the first album, there's an amazing guy, a guy called Kevin McNeil, who's a, a he's a writer from uh, an island on the west coast of Scotland called Stornoway. So there's 
there's, we've got lots of islands on our west coast and they've got their own culture and identity and he uh, he, he wrote a book basically kind of semi-autobiographical about growing up on the island of Stornoway um, that is first that was his first novel it's called The Stornoway Way and it's just an amazing just a really I, I remember being really kind of impacted by by that um, novel and I can't remember quite how it came about but we found out that he was a fan of the band. I think he, he was maybe at one of our shows in Glasgow and we, we sort of recognised them. And so we, we ended up striking up a conversation with him. And we we basically said, look, we've got this um, kind of post-rock introduction for our album that we've been working on. And we, you know, we kind of wanted a, a spoken word thing. So he, he wrote that for us um, and recorded it. So the guy who you hear on, on the first song of the first album, is that is Kevin, the, the guy who wrote it. Um, so that was a really nice thing to to have, and I, think, I guess we've already we've always had a bit of a kind of literary interest, I guess. Um, so Adam studied English literature, and I think we're all got an interest in it. So that was cool. And then the second album, actually, we the the spoken word intro at the start of that album is from a a poem by a Scottish poet called Ian Crichton Smith. Um, and the I mean we're totally ripping off Idlewild. I don't know if you guys know Idlewild, but they 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 uh. If you, if you know their their um their record the remote part that was like a really big thing for lots of Scottish music interested people of our generation growing up because it's you know every you know it's kind of a for such a small country there's a real thing there's a real feeling here of you know if if a band kind of breaks through it becomes a really big deal and they had a they did the whole get a poet to do a spoken word thing over a song um on at the end of that album there's a, a song called Scottish Fiction which had a poet called Edwin Morgan on it and Edwin Morgan was a really famous poet kind of Scotland's national poet what we call our macker um uh and he had a friend who taught us at school so we had an English teacher in school called Ronnie Renton who was quite an inspirational guy um and we asked Ronnie if he would if he would do the spoken word stuff on our second album so we we all went round to well me and jibs went round to his house and jibs i can't remember how did you record it jibs was it just on a was it on a laptop or did you have a four tracker i think i had i had a little zoom recorder and maybe like a little shotgun mic i might have had that at that point or it might have just been like the internal mics on it but yeah he had he has like an amazing voice and yeah but like whatever recorder I was using, it was going to sound good. Yeah, it sounded amazing. Yeah, I think it worked. I think we just, I think, Jibs, did we, I think we maybe suggested to him poets who we liked, and and he um, he had lots of, I remember he was flicking through books, so he had all the, you yeah. know, he's a, he's a proper, you know, he's a man of letters, so he's got, like, his house is full of bookcases and stuff. And he had, I remember him flicking through books and picking passages that he wanted to read, Um and we recorded lots of it, and then afterwards we went, kind of went through in the studio and picked out the bits that we liked the most. And the one that started the album, as I said, was a, it was a poem that he picked uh, called Two Girls Singing," and it's just a really nice, really beautiful poem. Um, uh, so that's how, yeah, that's how that came out. That was a really cool thing, and it's a, it's a really nice sort of through line f- yeah. for us as well because he, he, you know, he really was a, you know, not one to kind of go all oh captain, my captain, but he was that. You know, he's that kind of quite an inspirational guy um, who kind of fostered a love of culture um, in, in all of us, I think. 
you know, because you hear that poem and then you hear like those guitars start like ripping and roaring into the song. It just gives you goosebumps. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm cool. actually I'm a high school English teacher, so I, I really ah, cool. appreciate that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. That's really s- stuck with me. So going into your, your self-titled album, like what was what was your headspace like when you were writing the music for that? What, what was going on that kind of inspired, you know, what you're going to write? Uh, on the self-titled one, the first one, it was really just the kind of joy of figuring out how to write songs and, and you know, discovered delay pedals and it just became like, <laughs> oh my God, I can, my guitar can sound cool. Yeah. Uh, so it was really just, it was pure, I mean, we were, we were really young, I think we were uh, 19 or something. Um, probably like 21 by the time it came out but you know we didn't have a clue what we were doing and it was it was the it was like such a kind of just a really fun joyful process of discovering how to do all that and then in the studio in particular like you know all of a sudden it's oh i'm not totally bound by two guitars bass and drums we can add a little bit of piano here or we can you know whatever so it was that um that was that's kind of my recollection of it James I don't know if you absolutely yeah I think it was like discovering how to make like a studio how to make a song like and how to do it in the studio and going into the studio and being like oh actually here's all these things that we can play with and ideas we can try like it felt going to the old mill with Marshall who yeah so the same producer of Times Girls as well but it was like going to your your mate's amazing place and you you would just have all these toys that you would be able to fire up and have a go and see what happens and we definitely like threw everything at it <laughs> we tried lots of stuff and lots of it stayed in perhaps some of which we might have <laughs> in, in our in our more adult years of cold yeah but yeah. but that's kind of what's nice about it is that it was like you know young yeah just right. doing stuff yeah, I mean, yeah. you kind of trace an evolution of your guys' sound through all your albums. So, um, now how do you guys how do you guys segue from the that you know that feeling of just figuring out how to write songs, doing all this to you know to your later albums where you kind of you could tell the progression. You know, where did where did the influence of of songs come from? You know, does it have a lot of the the literary aspects that you guys you know enjoyed or from the poem you know poetic background? Like, where where did you guys pull from that, and how did you guys progress out of that stage? I think I think there's kind of two aspects to that. One is, I guess, the 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 this the song, the what one is really the 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 songwriting and the production, which are really bound together for us, um, in terms of like the instrumentation and how we go about writing that and then putting it together in the studio. And the other aspect is what the songs are about, really, and 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 the lyrics. And so that first aspect for for us. The thing that changed for us was that we 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 started going to a studio. So you know the the first phase of our band was in practice rooms in Glasgow and just playing together. You know you book it. We we used to go and book practice. I mean we are we are ter- we are terrible now, like at, at playing live together. But at one time we were quite good because we would book like a nine hour slot in a in a little practice room in Glasgow and we we would just go and and just batter away at it for for nine hours or whatever um so the first album was it was a most of it was recorded live so the 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 kind of core instrumentation of drums guitars bass was done live and then we would overdub 
you know, maybe piano or some extra vocals or some like glockenspiel or whatever. And the process of doing that then led us into thinking about writing differently and actually thinking about writing from a production perspective. Um, so on the second album, we were we were tracking things in the way that you know real bands do. So it, there's there's only one song on that album that that was recorded more or less live, um, which is called "So Stay Close." But the rest of it, we tracked individually, and that was a bit of a mind shift um, in terms of the writing process. And then in, ter- in terms of like what the songs were about. So the first album, we were younger. It was all like you know, your first breakup and like going out and like discovering the kind of the world of being a young adult and like you know we were all we were all at university we were you know out drinking and partying like four or five times a week in Glasgow in those days it was it was you could basically go there was there was at least one club in the city every night of the week where it was one one pound a drink um oh. where they would have like a promotion on yeah, <laughs> so that's like you know we we had our, our, our like week our week was like mapped out by that. So you know Monday night, you know I could still tell you like exactly where to go on which night. You know like fifteen years ago now I don't know if any of these places are still open, but uh, so we were going we were going out all the time. We were going to places that were playing the kind of music that we that we liked, and there was a real kind of social scene around music and a real kind of there was a real music scene of bands playing together in Glasgow and that's that was all happening when we were doing that first album and then the second one we started to I don't know we were kind of right it wasn't really a, it wasn't really I don't know it was more abstract and it was more um it wasn't about necessarily what was kind of happening in my life as much and there probably yeah there probably was an element of being inspired by whatever we were reading at the time and I'm trying to remember what we would have been reading at the time of the dark, dark, bright. Um, but certainly a lot of the the kind of spoken word bits in there all came from different poems, mostly mostly Scottish poets, a few English poets as well. And we did there was there's one called there was a guy called George Mackay Brown who I was really into at that time. I took quite a lot of inspiration from his stuff. Um, so yeah, there was a bit of an evolution on the actual music side of it and, and the the words as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. So you're you're talking about how like you could hear the difference between your first album and you know the dark dark bright. It's funny because now like a lot of people actually gone back to recording like in their garages or recording things live. And I guess since with the uh, what do you call it, like the the reemergence of vinyl, everyone's like likes that like closer to the source type of sound. Do you guys yeah do you guys feel like that's true or do you prefer like the the more production put into it? We've been thinking about this recently because we're thinking about doing our first album, releasing our first album on vinyl and therefore like remastering it, remixing it for vinyl. Mm-hmm. And because in many ways, we know that the kind of the flaws in the first album, which probably, you know, covered in the 
it was much rawer and we weren't we didn't really know how to produce Marshall. I mean Marshall did, but we didn't and we didn't really know how to play. Um so a lot of that is very kind of cringy for us because like yeah, like uh, well for me anyway it was like I'd started playing drums, so literally like couldn't play my instrument. Like we joke about that, but it's true. <laughs> like um but at the same time like something happened and, and it kind of worked and we you know we 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 wrote the songs we wrote in in our own way and and we were kind of very fond of that that rawness so for us there's that kind of thing happening now of like do we polish if we polish this too much does it become like a nicer sounding like but worse thing <laughs> because because it loses, what made it special yeah. it loses its like essence or whatever um so yeah i think for us we're like people forgive that people kind of like that and so i think we have to be careful about like polishing that album for example for vinyl um but the interesting thing for us is that we're getting you know each album we think has gotten better in terms of like those you know in in those dimensions of like production and songwriting and all that and that and that's really nice because that's happening naturally and i think but it's still obviously got that kind of diy ethic and diy feel yeah but there there is a bit more polish with every kind of with every album um but yeah, I do think we lean towards kind of being a bit rough around the edges. I, w- I wouldn't like rule out going back to, you know, we'll probably all do listen to stuff that is recorded in a, or was recorded in a, in a, in a kind of, in a much raw way. So uh, maybe like the, the Walkman, we've, we all, we've all been kind of re- revisiting the Walkman. And I, like, I mean, that is, that stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong, those guys probably spent like three days putting microphones in the exact perfect spot to get the best sound but a lot of that was recorded live um i really i love guided by voices as well and a lot of that you know is they've leaned into the aesthetic of this thing is a mess and it was recorded on a four track and in the garage and you can hear cars going past outside and all you know so there's a there's definitely a you know i think you just have to make a call on each project and and go with that i wouldn't rule out a later date us doing something much much more haphazard <laughs> it might be really fun actually um or or the other way like because we've been talking about or the other way demo, yeah. like really right and is is now is like the postal service it's it's right. garage band and whatsapp and email um and so that is almost forcing us to be yeah. more um like hygienic about it so yeah. we might end the next thing might end up being actually quite clean and quite produced uh, you know certainly in its creation um or but then it might be that we have a reaction to that ourselves yeah. and then we get <laughs> you know, which is kind of how we... well do you guys you guys know who thrice is yeah i don't know them i don't know who they are is it uh i'm trying to remember the name of that, the famous album but i i don't know them terribly well but i know roughly yeah yeah so they they did um like artists in the ambulance like that's the, yeah songs but they did a bunch of albums that were like produced in the studio and some would say they were like overproduced and then they came back and they just recorded everything live in you know a studio that he had in his house and ended up sounding yeah it had it's like things that didn't sound so great but it sounded like really raw and it sounded you could you could hear like more emotion in his voice so i I guess some people like that some people like the stuff that's overproduced but um yeah you can you know with great power does come great responsibility yeah Yeah. Uh, with 
we yeah. talk about you know we we're talking about like myspace and stuff earlier in the segue of you know technology and, and what's out there right and i, I remember uh, radiohead i think was you know one of the first bands to brag that they came right when garage band came out you know that was one of the albums they recorded was right there right am i, am I right on that one or wrong yeah yeah well, was, well they were in the yeah, early 90s but yeah later. no but it was it was later on i think this was you know but either way, late in their career, right? As they decided to do that, I think a lot of people love that that raw aspect of you know, in the garage, basically with hearing hearing the sounds and stuff. I know I I do. That's for for y'all's album. That's something you know, the more raw that I find with your music. It's you know that's how I connect. That's how I connected the first, uh, beginning. So I gotta fix my words there. No, you're you're good. Uh, that, yeah, radio they're <laughs> cool because they like they've definitely always been at the. They've got a really interesting mix of like cutting edge technology and also using old stuff at the same time. So like I think you're right. They they probably were one of the first to do like a fully like on a digital workstation rather than you know into an old Neve console or whatever. Um, but we've been bound we 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 in our kind of WhatsApp chat we've been bouncing some stuff back and I've uh, back and forth and I've been listening to OK Computer quite a lot recently again. Um, and I was reading up on some stuff about like a lot of the the cool sort of string sounds in there are a, are, a, are an on de martino which is like this old french kind of antique instrument so they were like in the you know at the, the cutting edge of production but also bringing in all this weird old stuff which is really yeah. cool i really like that um so yeah it's, it's definitely a, a, a nice sort of contrast that they've got yeah yeah and i remember with uh it's funny because you're talking about radiohead uh Adam was talking about how he didn't really know how to play the drums that well, or you guys were, didn't know how to play your instruments. Like Radiohead, actually, I think it was the bass player, had no idea how to play bass until uh, he just, like, faked it for the first year he was in the band, and all of a sudden he got real good at it. They, they are, like, we've, we've had this conversation amongst ourselves recently, but we are so close to finishing this new album that we're doing, and when we get to that stage... Like you go back and listen to, so I've got a few records that I'm that I love to listen to for inspiration on, just to hear how they like organize their sound, not necessarily from a songwriting perspective or anything, but Radiohead, a few of their albums, I I go back to, and it's actually disgusting how good they are, like as musicians, <laughs> and it is. I think it was Adam had previously described. He was basically saying it's cheating to have Tom York and Johnny Greenwood in the same band, and it it totally is because. I mean, they they are just so talented, and and their ideas are really intelligent, but also really emotive. Um, yeah. So what I you know, if you want to feel good about yourself, don't don't listen to any Radiohead albums when you're trying to finish <laughs> a new project. That's yeah. basically what I'm saying. That's sound advice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so. Uh, looking at uh, because because how how was that made? You know what was that what was that looking like when you guys were hit hitting that album and writing it, laying it down on the you know on paper? Because that was your that was your EP and it had the the least amount of songs on it, but it was probably like <laughs> one of my favorite things that you guys have done. It was a bit of a stopgap, wasn't it? I'm trying to yeah. uh, I'm trying to remember. How, so two of those songs, so we had that Christmas song called Enix Chelsea's Deal, which we're all playing on, which we'd, we'd maybe written. We probably had, there was a thing in Glasgow of, of writing Christmas songs at one time in the sort of MySpace era. And, uh, you know, everyone did a Christmas show. Uh, and our, we've got a, our friends who, who were in a band called We Hung Your Leader uh, and then subsequently changed their name to Light Guys. They always put on this Christmas show in Glasgow and it was like total, it was just a party. It was complete carnage. Um, 
and there was there was quite a big event. Uh, so there was always a few Christmas gigs, and we would always line something up to play at Christmas time. And we thought, we would, would be nice to have a Christmas song. Like let's write our own one, which was like a bit of a thing in our little scene at that time. So we, you know, that's how that came about. This feels like it was a Jibs song, so Jibs sings on that. And I, I can't remember how that came about in terms of the writing. I remember we did a, we did it for a blog. It was video yeah. for a blog. We did, yeah. What, oh, I can't remember the name of it now. That's right. Um, but yeah, we we drafted a, an acoustic version because we were we kind of continued writing songs and were writing new stuff off the back of the first album, and so we just had these like songs which we didn't really have like a a home for yet. Uh, and yeah, I think this feels like was sort of written for that. Yeah, part of that acoustic thing we did for them. Was yeah, that an acoustic version? Was that Dodge, they, they shoot music, don't they? That's that it. was it. Yeah. Did we, did we write it. it for that? Cool. Well, I think it, it, it was written around that time because we were, I think we, just, we were writing more acoustic songs. Like, I'm not really yeah. sure. Ash Wednesday was part of that same batch as well, mm. in an older, in a kind of acoustic arrangement. Yeah. Um, I think we'd been listening to a lot of the Will Anthem at that point. So I think we were that's, just like, that's right. that aesthetic that's of like really, you know, be- beautifully recorded and performed, like, country songs basically <laughs> we were like oh we, we know that <laughs> yeah it's um, funny because like you could tell that there's i don't know there's it's it's got a kind of like a, an angelic feel to it so I, I find myself like listening to it on repeat in the car sometimes there's only four songs but uh it's i don't so with your guys music like i know you, you guys have like these stories and they're like moments in time and they're not my stories but i feel like i can relate aspects of them to my own life so I know I've always felt very like at home in the lyrics. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. I mean, that's, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I guess I think the thing that we've always tried, like, I, I, we, we, I guess something is that else that we've been talking about recently is we get to like, fi- you know, almost finishing and really figuring out what this new album is. And I guess one of the things we've all, we've talked about is that we we try, like, this it's quite sad music, and Scottish bands were generally good at being sad and you know that partly that's i was being like flippant earlier but seriously like the big part of that is is the weather um but that's that kind of so good though like that's you don't get that in america that's interesting but seriously see like the, the idea that someone's sitting in a really warm sunny place listening to it it, it feels i just like <laughs> i don't i almost don't get it <laughs> like this is not just but it, it, there's it's like me listening to like I don't know calypso music in my back garden in Glasgow when it's pouring. It's like, you know it just, it just doesn't feel right. It's above. <laughs> it's above like seventy five degrees. It's only sparkling melancholy. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean honestly though, like there was a time when my air conditioner stopped working. When I put that album on, I actually like felt cooler. <laughs> um, so there's definitely an element of that but but the thing we always talk about is like we try not to make it like we always try to have some element of like I don't know hope or warmth or like kind of an idea of there being like a sense of I don't know resolution or something like that yeah, the story. which hopefully comes across yeah and a nice thing like I mean Nikki and Nikki has said this and so I hope I'm not speaking out of turn but like a lot of it is about Glasgow like as a kind of place and a kind of theme in the music and almost like a well to me anyway it feels like a kind of character um 
and we've had people message us who are from like Australia or wherever and they've come to Glasgow and then they've been like oh like now I get it or like now I, I was there and I saw like south you know I saw this street or that street or the river um and I related to it and it was amazing like they someone recently was having a conversation with them and it's like that's cool <laughs> like you, like someone can come here and they they kind of feel like they almost know the city it's like a like it's like a weird tour guide like you know like a city guide um and they and i think if i think that's nice and i think if, you know if you're from here and or if you visit here then that's that's a nice thing to connect to or whatever but um yeah we've had we've had that a couple of times and it's that, that's a nice kind of i don't know shared experience i guess right and also just knowing people from like another country came over to see where the music came from that's got to feel good too <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll we'll claim that he may, he may have had had a holiday planned. I don't know, but... <laughs> but seriously, if you look up South Street on Google Maps, like there's nothing. It's just not a tourist hotspot. There's like I don't know, like a shipyard and some an old shipyard and some like industrial units and like a drive-through Starbucks. <laughs> like there's not. It's, it's all, it's, I wouldn't go out your way. It's all part of there will be fireworks tour package. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. So you had mentioned your friends in Light Guides. What happened to them? Yeah, good question. So <laughs> they're so they... I, they've never really stopped i mean it's like the same story for all all of us i guess like everybody kind of like life gets in the way and you know they've all got jobs and stuff so mark who is the singer he 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 actually works for a company called bower media which owns a bunch of radio stations in the uk and he basically writes music for you know adverts and and so he has a studio and a radio station and he basically writes songs all day effectively and and um and so he's he's always been writing music and obviously he's been writing his own stuff. Um Dave, his brother, who was the, the, the drummer, um, he's lived you know, he's he's I think he's been in Lisbon and Portugal for the last wee while. Uh so he's kind of moved around a bit and and the, the you know, they still obviously get together and, and do stuff. Um and they actually released a song at Christmas time. So they so those guys have always been into like pop punk like since since so we went to school with them right so we've known them so dave was in our year so we've known dave since we were 10 or 11, well 11 say 11 or 12 and then they have he has always been into like pop punk all the way through and you can maybe hear a bit of that in in light guides but they released a a song at christmas time this is so bad is it punching pigeons is that the name is that what? Yeah, the punching pigeons the, the punching pigeons uh, they released this like a really catchy, and it's so those I was you know I was saying they put on the Christmas shows, so they released this Christmas song this year just on online. So I'm hoping that they're still doing stuff, and it was like super pop punk, really really pop punk. Um, 
and the other guy, the other main guy in Late Guys is a guy called Martin Murray, who's an amazing guitarist, who he still plays in a band called Neves. There's a, a, a band from Glasgow that's, that we've we've been kind of friends with as well, and we played some gigs with them in, in their kind of older incarnations. So there's a bunch of guys of our age still kicking about Glasgow who kind of play a gig or a few gigs a year and are still in, you know, various iterations of, of, of bands. Um, and there was another guy who played bass for them, Ian. Ian Thompson, who 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 he was in New Year Memorial, so he kind of wrote all. He was the main guy in in, in that project. So they're all everyone's still sort of doing stuff, but on the same kind of timeline as us, basically. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to like you get older, you get yeah. kids and jobs and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's understandable. Do yeah. you? Uh, there's another band. Uh, there, uh, Penguins Kill Polar Bears. Like they were good for a, you know, they're, they're I mean, still good, but you don't hear. I haven't heard anything about them in a long time. There's quite a lot no. of animals kicking about Glasgow. Yeah. There was penguins killed polar bears. There was lions chased <laughs> lions chased tigers. Right. Yeah, um, you go on iTunes, old zoos there. Yeah, Ian, <laughs> Ian, Ian from New Year Memorial, um, and Light Guys more recently was in um, Lions Chase Tigers, and they were we played with them. In fact, our album launch was uh, like lions. I was in Lions Chase Tigers and Light Guides, so that which was obviously a total blast. But yeah, there's. There was quite an, a kind of animal thing going on at one point. <laughs> Penguins kill polar bears. I think we played. That's that is that Gav's band. Yeah, we played. With yeah, them. yeah, yeah. So we we've played with them a couple of times, and so they're all quite cool. So they so Mark from Light Guides. He's they, they all hang around together still. So um, and they I think they're were they were they related to Farewell Singapore as well. There's quite a, there was a lot of bands around at that at that time that were all there was lots of people in different. It's funny because you're yeah, talking about fans, and then you go like, I, my reference here is iTunes. Every time you click on one of those, like all yeah. the things that you're naming are like right beneath those albums. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so- it's, I think because so many, like everyone's still scratching away at it bit by bit, but not you know, not doing an awful lot. Same as us. One of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a there's an American band from North Carolina called Hope's Fall, and uh, you know I, I spoke. They put out a new album, you know, a few years back, and I spoke with them. But it's just they had the same story you guys had. Like they were, they were real on top of the world for a while doing Warp Tour and all that stuff, and then they kind of fell off the map. And then how did their music come about? They're all just kind of like bowling and drinking together, and like, oh hey, we should go, <laughs> we should write some some music, and then you know, a new album came out. All right, so I want to bowl and drink some more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all, the all right, I want to know. I guess my last question about like side projects here: New Year Memorial. Like, how did that come about? Do you guys, do you see more music coming out with that band? So that that's uh, so Ian so that whole scene where we were all friends. So kind of what happened, I guess, after the dark, dark bright, um, it felt like with fireworks, like it, it was inevitable that we were going to have a long, quiet period because you know we, we, I think by that point a few of us were all had moved away and more of us were moving away. So it was there was at one point at one point I don't I think there was a period where of like maybe a six months or a year where like literally none of us were in Glasgow at that time. And and then, it's, you know, it, it was just hard to organize our lives. And, you, you know, everyone's just trying to make their way in the world and, you know, get a job and find somewhere to live and all that stuff. So Ian, who was in Lions Chase Tigers, 
that band had ended as well, and and he, and he um as well. I say as if as if fireworks ended. That that band actually ended when we were on a bit of a hiatus, and um he was just looking for something to do, and he he was writing tons of songs. He, like it songs just kind of flow out of him. He's really into lots of American, uh, like you know some of the grunge stuff and some of the later pop punk stuff, which you can totally hear coming through in his stuff. Um, so he put that band together with, so he asked me to play guitar, um, which I was really delighted to do. Um, one of our friends, Tam Parker, played bass. He was in a, another band that we were friends with called I See Shapes. Um, and we had a, a drummer for a while, but eventually it became Craig, Craig Neal from Twin Atlantic, who were probably like the, the biggest band in, in in that world that we lived in. Um yeah. he 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 was on he's just an incredible drummer, like so loud, like so loud. Um so it was just, so it was basically, you know, Ian Ian had a lot of songs. We we put it together relatively quickly, probably over the course of like, you know, a year, eighteen months. A lot of it was to, we we <laughs> Twin Atlantic owned a rehearsal room, and Craig used to let us in there, and we would go in there and practice at night time, and then we recorded it in uh, a, a a little studio. Um, there was a, a Glasgow band called Union of Knives who were who were really good and kind of electronic, kind of electro clash um band, and uh, one of them became a producer, a music producer. Um. A, a guy called Chris Gordon and he lived like two minutes away from from where I used to live and we recorded it he had a he built a studio in his garden basically um and I mean I I, I was just along for the ride on that one Ian wrote you know the songs I you know I would just be writing the guitar parts that I was playing for the most part and it was so fun to have like no responsibility hands off yeah <laughs> yeah it was, and just be just just be able to play play guitar really cool um, so in terms of if we'll do stuff, so Ian, he's what like Ian's one of these guys. He's hard to get a hold of. Uh, so you'll text them saying like, "Hey man, how's it going? You working on anything?" And he'll he'll kind of be like, "No." And then he'll maybe send you a text like a year later saying, "We need to meet. I've got songs." <laughs> uh, so he's been right. I know he's been writing stuff. Um, so hopefully something will happen there, and hopefully I'll be invited. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed that album, and it's you could you could, yeah like you could see like the American like grungy influence on it, but I think that's what made it so great was like hearing you know your guys' vocals with that style of music. Yeah, it's funny because like I read interviews with with. You know a lot of bands out there and a lot of them say like it's exhausting like just being out there and you kind of get tired and by, by the time it's like your 20th show on that tour you're ready to go home you just don't have the, the we've never even done a tour yeah um, we're exhausted one time we played like three dates in a week that counted as a yeah. tour for us yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we wrecked a band by like yeah we played like three dates in scotland and managed to like shave the roof off a van by driving under a max height barrier yeah, was... yeah that, that's how good at touring we are it's lost any money that we might have ever made it that hits somebody has nailed it <laughs> yeah i think we're pretty sure we got in a fight as well at one we've gotten quite a few fights after gigs haven't we we're not fighty yeah. people no we're, we're we're nice boys but yeah yeah 
So yeah, we don't uh, probably that, best if we don't hit the road. If you're interested in Scottish indie music culture, um, what was that book? Uh, retired teenagers. Yeah, so there's a guy called there's a guy called John John D. His name's John D. McGonagall, who used to he he ran a a kind of gig and club night in Glasgow called Pin Up Nights, and he used to get like amazing some amazing bands playing at it and he would get like really amazing DJs so he would have guys from like he's definitely had like Jarvis Cocker for instance from 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 Pulp oh. uh, he's had like Franz Ferdinand and you, you know a lot of a lot of quite well-known uh, people I think the national DJ that one of his nights once um but he 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 wrote a book um a kind of short book about his experiences and I think I think I think you're right I think it was called Retired Teenagers and like we get a mention in it and the mention in it is that we got in a fight after after a gig uh, at one of his shows well, um, wouldn't that mean that like other bands now know not to mess with you guys like if they see you no know, I mean like seriously if you could see us like we, we're <laughs> <laughs> we should no it's mostly David who's not on the, the guy who threw the bread roll it's mostly him. <laughs> He's calmed down. He has calmed down. Hey, well, hey, we really appreciate you guys like talking with us. Like this is uh it's it's been fun. Um you guys have anything else you want to add before we we call it? Maybe just delete that last bit. <laughs> it gives it, it gives I was it just say thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. <laughs> and and we would love to catch up with you guys after you you know, put the album out if you guys got some some more time to talk to us. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whenever, yeah, when we get it, out, just give us a shout, and we'll yeah, we'll set that up. All right, sounds good. Justin, you got any more questions? No. Well, you know, yeah, like you know, for for your idea of touring, oh, right? Not wanting to do it. You know, you know what I mean? Um, what's the end goal? I guess the the end game of of you know there will be fireworks, right? What's that? What's that end goal for you guys as a band? Just That's as we as we end this here. Death. Uh, yeah, yeah. Last, last man's done. Fifty percent of the world disintegrated. Seriously, it's just to, to write the best music that 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 we can for our own for our own self interested purposes. <laughs> like that's it. That that's it. Like for for us, it's just can we write a, an album that we that we love? That's that's what it's always been about. See, this is where like selfishness really benefits the rest of us, though. That actually, like enjoy listening to it. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank we, you. We appreciate that. Yeah. I think that that's a more genuine thing. Everyone has this goal of becoming the best, you know, touring around the world and so on and so forth, right? But I think a lot of us just look for that idea of a band being genuine with uh with their music and just caring about just putting putting out music that they you know their story of their life and you know their reflections. So that's that's awesome. That's awesome for me. It kind of helps. I think it helps the audience uh, connect more. Like I've you know been saying this whole time. It contributes to us being like slow and lazy and bad at all everything that surrounds the music. Um, but everyone is really nice and patient and like it kind of blows our minds that people stick yeah. around and still ask us about it. And the fact that people still care um, is kind of incredible. Um, so yeah, we we'll, we we try not to be too uh, <laughs> bad at the, the the work around the music. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's really nice when people like you guys kind of ask us about it yeah well i mean it, it's it's it was cool too because like i don't think anyone really expected you guys to put anything new out so then when you 
announce you're working on something. You had a lot of people seem pretty excited about it. Yeah, we just need to not not f it up now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no pressure. It's a bit late. Put a lot of weight on it. You know, it's all recorded. It's pretty much too late, yeah. <laughs> We're all counting. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we appreciate it. And the new album is due out sometime this year, as they said. And they're going to be releasing some stuff later on in the year. And this has been another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you very much.